2018 is the year of the family. Say it. 2018 is the year of the family. Say it again. 2018 is the year of the family. Now take the word the out. All right. And what word do you want to impose there? My family, our family, the church family. All right. So ready? 2018 is the year of whatever you want to say. Okay. Uh, and, and when I say that, you know, it, it causes all kinds of emotion according to where you are. For me, uh, I, I was looking at this, of course, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are what? Children. Look at the person next to you. We are all children of God. Now, is that, a, is that a simply a uh, comparison? I mean, are we just looking at that symbolically that we are children of God or are we truly children of God? Okay, so eventually we have to move from saying we're children of God to actually being brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Anybody agree to that? So community becomes not important. It becomes the way that we do life. Uh, we do it in community. Uh, we, uh, we need to be in and out of one another's lives. We should be in one another's homes. I'm getting the amens there. Okay, all right, we should... Uh, you should have me out, you should have me over for dinner or somebody, you know, or we, we need to do life. And uh, I want to take this deeper. I don't want this to be shallow. I'm not trying to give you a slogan for the year. I, I was cautious even to put the word 2018 or the year because I, this is vision. It's in, and I, I am deeply moved by this. Let's shout one more time. We are family. Shout it. I want you to get this. And I, and I don't know what that means to you. It may mean that there's nothing like your family. It may mean you have pain from your family. It may mean that you long for family. Again, it invokes all types of emotion when you say family according to what you're experiencing. At Freedom, we've been saying this for years. Let me say it from a spiritual context first. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. How many know this verse? Read this with me. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So you hear a lot of things here and the spirit of bondage doesn't really get it. But here's, here's the concept. You are not slaves anymore. Amen. All right? You're not a slave anymore. Uh, you were not saved so that you could enter into slavery. You, you were saved. You, Jesus bought you, redeemed you, so that you could walk in freedom. And you don't have a spirit of bondage again to fear. It, we were, God, God's intention is not to put you into bondage, even in religious bondage. Does that sound good? He wants to set you free. Free to walk in the grace and the power of the Lord. To have your life transformed by the Spirit of God. But I love this spirit of adoption, and uh, I heard my, my youngest brother uh, say this this past week, which I loved. He mentioned to somebody, he said, you know, uh, I've been chosen because he's adopted. He made that statement. I, I don't know if anybody's experienced this before, but uh, he, he kind of became a smart aleck towards me a little bit and said, you know, mom and dad stuck with you. You know, they didn't know what they were getting, but they saw me first and they chose me. So... Uh, how many know adoption is powerful? Does anybody know that? It's a powerful, powerful truth. And, and it is chosen. But he says, you receive the spirit of adoption. 
And then he uses the word Abba, which takes it even deeper. Say Daddy. Go ahead and say Daddy. And some people wrestle with this. I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm done with any wrestling over this. I am perfectly fine with you in your prayers calling Abba, Father, Daddy. I'm perfectly fine with that. Some of you struggle with understanding his fatherhood because of the brokenness of your own childhood or who your father is, but there is a good, good father, amen? And he loves you, and he is. I I talked to you, my last sermon of uh, 2017 was he swaddles us. He embraces us. He loves us. He's all about us. Uh, I want you to look at James 1.18 in the living Bible. And it was a happy day for him when he gave us our new lives through the truth of his word. And we became, as it were, the first children in his new family. Praise God. We are children of God. Now, I, I'm going to take you further, but, but hang with me on this because the, the Lord has been working this up for a while, um, stirring this up inside of me. I think uh, he got my attention a few times. I see... Avalyn is here, napping over there with Mama. Uh, and our granddaughter was born uh, August 18th, and so she's a little over four months old now. And uh, she loves coming to church and worshiping Jesus and taking naps. And uh, uh, if you're four months old, you're also welcome to take a nap right now. <laughs> right. But uh, I think uh, four months ago, really a, a year ago, Christmas when we learned that our, our granddaughter was born, was going to be born, our family increased, that stirred me up. It just stirred me up in my, in my heart. It stirred me. Uh, he already had my attention when my grandson was born. Uh, do you, how many know Malachi, our grandson? He's going to be 11 years old, all right? Oh, 11 in March. Look at me. I don't look old enough to have a grandson that's about to turn 11. Just say amen, Pastor. Amen, all right? So uh, I'm going to pray for some of you. So, But uh, talking to him, seeing him grow, having him here, seeing him baptized a few years back, that got my attention. That, that stirred me up. Other things, I was listening to things that stirred me to this point. Uh, Cliff had tossed a prophecy at me a few days, a few months back uh, about coming back, people coming back. You remember that? And... Uh, that God is bringing them back. And I wanted to talk to the Lord. What does that mean? Because I immediately had agreement, and I've seen a lot of that happen, but on a, a deeper scale than what I thought. It's not just about people coming back. It, it was reunion. It was that spirit. Does anybody know what I'm saying? That spirit of reunion. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you have family that lives out of town and you don't get together very often, you understand the family reunion concept. Anybody know what I'm saying? Where finally you're there and it's like, what? And you can't hug each other enough and you just want to hang around and look at each other and talk and uh, pull out old pictures and play games and eat too much, right? Uh, which is the Christmas celebration. It's the party. Uh, I believe that God is doing something regarding religion, excuse me, regarding re- reunion and bringing people back into the kingdom. It brought me to... All of this kind of brought me to spiritual attention, and it was during a time, because timing is important. When you receive words and things, timing is important. What is going on when, when you begin to hear something from God? And at the time that that was going on, I was also hearing from the Lord and teaching uh, regarding overcoming spiritual strongholds uh, 
strongholds in homes, strongholds in families. And uh, I completed that at about, I was, I was wrapping that up at about the time in August when uh, our granddaughter was born. And I could hear the Holy Spirit begin to whisper, it's time. And uh, I, so I'm going back to Genesis 35 where I was at that moment. Uh, Genesis 35, 1. I don't know what it says 1 and 1 there, but it's 1 through 4. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. I don't know if you, anybody know these stories at all? But I understand that Jacob and Esau were at odds with one another. Esau just despised his brother Jacob. Esau uh, was, uh, though they were uh, fraternal twins, Esau was born first and somehow received the birthright. And Jacob, whose name means deceiver, uh, finagled his way to get the blessing from his father's birthright. And it caused a a great uh, gulf between the two of them and anger. And so Jacob ran for his life and ran to stay with his father and, uh, excuse me, with his uncle Laban and took his, took his wives, his family there. Jacob, uh, it didn't happen, that's where he got his wives, as a matter of fact. And the Bible says, and Jacob said to his household, let me go back. God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel. That's, a, that's an altar. It's a, it's a place, meaning house of God, where Jacob had met God before. Go to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So many more stories there I want to go into, but time will not permit. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him. At this point, Jacob has a large family. He has children. And he says this to all who are with him. Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods. Another version says, all the idols which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears. All of these things, the earrings, all of this had to do with idolatry. Literally, they believed in God, the God of Abraham, but they believed in other gods too. All right? Anybody understand that? Anybody heard of the golden calf? Okay. You understand that they erected a golden calf and they called it God. That's what, the golden, that, that's what they called it. So now they, are, they have grown up. They've come out of the house of Laban. They were connected with another culture. And in that culture, they began to adopt uh, idolatry. And so... They, Jacob said, you're going to have to give all this up. And they gave it all to Jacob. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. There's more to speak there, but let it be said. I want you just to see this. Jacob said, give me all your idols. And I'm, he said to the soul of his family, give me all your idols. Okay, let me just kind of give you this. Imagine just looking at your children and saying, look, I want all of your cell phones. How many think they would say, what? Can't have my... So these things are important to them. These are, their, these are spiritual... Co- I'm not preaching on cell phones, but these are spiritual connections. And Jacob had the ability to look at his family and say, give me this. 
and somehow God used him in such a way that they actually responded. Okay? They actually... I think we skipped the miracle right there. So this is a pivotal place in the life of Jacob. And again, remember Jacob's name has been changed from Jacob. We're still using Jacob. And really, even the name Jacob, even if, you have, if your name is Jacob, I don't want you to feel bad about it. Oh, my name is Liar. You know, my name is Heel Catcher. I want you to understand that a name can be reshaped by your life. Okay? Because if, if I say, uh, you know, there's probably not too many people who want to name their kid Benedict Arnold. Right? Because that name means what? Because of, his, because of what he did, correct? So Jacob, his life, in the future, you're going to hear the name Jacob, but, but his, he goes, his, his, his title now is going to be Israel. So he's moving from liar to patriarch, from liar to leader, to leader of a nation. He's heading back to the place of his father Isaac. He's left the land of Laban, and he positions himself as a leader in his home, calls his family his children, his grandchildren, to prepare to cross over and become what God has always intended for them to do. And they surrender their idols. Everybody got the story? And Jacob deals with their idols. He doesn't say, okay, I got them, put them in a box. He buries them, all right? And his season changes. The season of his family changes. Got this? The season of my family, things are going to change. Anybody with me on this? Things are going to change in my family. Just see if you can say it. Things are going to change in my family. Things are going to change in my family. So you're thinking about it personally. Things are also changing in the family of God. In order for this thing to happen, you've got to go to Bethel. You say, well, I'm just going to change things. You can't just change things. You've got to go to Bethel. You've got to go to the place of God, spend time in the presence of God, if you're going to get these idols out of the hands of your children. I'm just focusing on my family. Well, you can't just focus on your family. You have to focus on God as well. So uh, just listen to what this word says this morning. As we look in, in these things, I'm just going to say a few things to you to get this started. I want to stir it up a little bit and uh, see what, where we go from here. Genesis 35, 11. God said to him, said to Jacob, I am God Almighty. I am. What's he saying? I am. I always have been. I always will be. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. Did you hear that? A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. And kings shall come from your body. <coughs> the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you, I give this land. Do you get that? Be fruitful and multiply. Why would I be fruitful and multiply if I have no hope of anything? Be fruitful and multiply. Why be fruitful and multiply? Because I'm going to do things through your seed. That's what he's saying. I'm going to do stuff through your house, through your household. I'm sending you to Bethel. I've been working on you all these years, Jacob. You've been a mess. I've been working on you, dealing with you all these years, and now you are finally at the place. <sighs> I think uh, here at Freedom, there's so many new children that's born into this church, and I, I was looking at all the new kids, and 
A baby. How many know babies? Anybody love that? We got a lot of babies at Freedom right now. Uh, our nursery nice, may not be too busy right now. We got a bunch of babies. And our little kids' church, we got a bunch of little kids in our little kid. In that preschool department, we've got a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all that and thinking, wow, that's great. But for me, there's a bigger picture there because the church is growing as a whole. I, you say, well, you got a lot of babies. I see those babies as growing up to know and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I see those little children being transformed. I, 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 again, there's a bigger picture. I, uh, uh, we were all, uh, for, for our little Christmas trip, uh, it, was, it was very busy. I mean, we got, you know, Wednesday was the Hawker family gathering. Thursday was the uh, Davis family gathering. Friday was a day off, and it snowed majorly. And Saturday, we had to be in Cincinnati because my nephew was getting married, and our Kentucky family was coming in, and Georgia family's coming in, and Virginia family, Ohio family is all converging this one church. And uh, so uh, then the next morning we were at my father's church speaking and, and singing. And, and then right after church we had dinner together and we jumped in the car and started driving back. Uh, and we have been dr- driving on snowy roads for us since uh, this past uh, Thursday. This past Thursday when the snow came in. So when I, we came back and got hit by snow, I was like, okay, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, but I, I, we were busy, but it was so good. It, it, you know that reunion thing? Uh, we, uh, <coughs> we were at Luke Hawker at his wedding. He and Anna got married and, uh, on Saturday. And then they started taking pictures and asked for all the family to come in. So we snapped. Somebody took one of these pictures uh, of Hawker family. And uh, that's not all of them. You can, if those of you know my dad, uh, you know, he's, he's right there uh, in the center, uh, center somewhere. You can see him. I haven't got a pointer. I'd show him to you. But, but dad's there. Dad turns 80 years old uh, in July. On July uh, 14th, my dad's going to turn 80. Now, you see all those little kids in bow ties. Those, those little guys, all their names are Hawker. And all those kids, those are little, little kids, their last name is Hawker. Now, now, now everybody that's up there is not named Hawker, don't, don't get me wrong, but they are somehow connected with this one guy named Marvin, okay? Uh, now, I also have some cousins there, like I see Debbie, and uh, I believe uh, uh, my cousin Darlene is over there somewhere, and uh, just, just lots of cousins. I got one cousin up there. His name is Daniel and his wife, Bethany. They got six kids and the seventh is on the way. Yeah, somebody said, what are they, they going to drive? What are they going to drive? So we get all this together. And you know, Luke and Anna up there in the middle are really, really happy. Uh, I tell you, the one guy that's just ecstatic, though, is my daddy. My goodness, my daddy is so happy. Uh, every Christmas, when we can get together, my dad, we just know it. We, can, we could write it down that he's going to do this. He's going to walk up in front of the tree, going to read some scripture, and start crying. That's what he's going to do. Am I right? He's going to start big tears coming down his face, and then he's going to start giving thanks to the Lord for his family. Amen. I just thank the Lord, and then he'll go back a little bit, you know, about how long it's been, and now, in my house, I have pictures that are hanging that remind me 
of in my family when people began to serve the Lord. It wasn't always that way, but somebody began to break curses and, and people began to serve the Lord. And we're really, really ecstatic uh, about this. But uh, I, I just, I really enjoy that it has grown and it has increased and that daddy can, can rejoice in all of this. So here I am. And I am not as young as I used to be. Sometimes I look in the mirror. I, I, a, a picture popped up on my Facebook the other day. You ever get one of those pictures that used to be? And I thought, who is that guy? Oh, that was me. And then another one popped up of one that I posted when I was in the, the sixth grade playing football. And it popped up and this cute little boy face was there. And I had this, this great you know, dark hair. And it's just kind of all around my face. I'm thinking, Wow. Who is that guy? Uh, I'm, 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 I would not say that I'm a major patriarch right now, but my brother John and I were sitting together talking and looking at all the nephews and things, and we realized that we are not uncles anymore. We are the great uncles, and we're on the verge of being great great uncles. Does that make sense? And so we're moving to this new place in our life, and you might say, oh, that's bad. You get no, 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 no. This is a sweet spot right now where we get to see future generations serving and knowing God. Now, now get this. What I, what I want to tell you is that in my heart, I can hear God leading me right now as a pastor to tell you this, that God is raising people up right now in this church. He's raising you up, and there are some expectations that you have not had. And God is saying to you, you need to believe that if I can get you to Bethel and get you into my presence, if you'll keep seeking me, that I'm going to use you as I use Jacob. I'm going to take you to your family, take you to your children, take you to spiritual children. They're going to drop their idols. They're going to be raised up, and God is going to be glorified by the next generation. Anybody with me on this? Overcome hopelessness. But I also want to tell you this. Any spiritual moms and dads in the house? Where are my spiritual moms and dads? Got some spiritual moms and dads. That little picture is cute. But when I look back over my life and I see the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've seen come to the Lord Jesus and seen the church increase, I believe that the family of God is ready to be fruitful and to multiply. Anybody believe that? I, um, there's so much that needs to be done, but, but first of all, God is saying, raise up mothers and fathers. Raise up spiritual patriarchs and see what I will do. So ultimately, I can hear God calling me to raise up patriarchs and matriarchs. Now here's something else that we need to do if this is going to be the year of the family, is rediscover the heritage of our home. How many know the scripture in Matthew chapter 1? Anybody read the Bible before? Anybody have one of these? It's a book. It's a Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. I can remember doing this as a kid. I'm going to read through the gospel of Matthew, and I get to Matthew chapter 1, and I say, nah, I'll just go to Matthew chapter 2. Anybody been there? Matthew chapter 1. begins like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay. And then it continues like this, okay? Abraham, there we go. Oh, and we're back. 
I don't know where it went. Something disappeared. So, Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nation. Nation fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. Amen. How many know all those stories? Yeah. Do you know any of these stories? Is there any name that jumped up? He's like, Abinadab? Mm, probably not. Boaz. Boaz. How about Rahab? Rahab was what? <laughs> did I hear the word whore coming from the... I thought I did. I thought it, somebody just shouted dead. Wow. Welcome to freedom. All right. Yeah, she was not necessarily known as an, uh, an amazing woman at that time, but God raised her up out of obedience, right? And if you know that story... Out of Boaz, Rahab, Boaz fathered who? Obed. Who is Obed? David's dad. No, Jesse's dad. And Jesse fathered David. David. Anybody know about David? David was what? Before he was a king, he was a shepherd. Listen, anybody remember my teachings about Bethlehem shepherds from Christmas? Bethlehem shepherds were considered unclean. They stunk and they worked with nasty sheep. They smelled funny. They weren't even allowed to go to the temple because they took care of sheep. David could have understood that concept. Remember later David will say something like, how good and pleasant it is to go to the house of the Lord. So David, it was a shepherd. And God pulled him out of the shepherd's field by Samuel. Remember the story? Because Samuel was supposed to anoint a king and he pulled... Look, Jesse didn't even call David in. He left him in the field. Jesse brought all of his big tall sons, Joab and the other guys. But God said to Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. Do you have any other sons? And Jesse had to be obedient. Yes, I got, I got one more. Don't think you're interested. He's kind of short, ruddy, complexion, did not look like a warrior, lived out in the shepherd's field. He wrote songs, you know, that boy. But he called him in and God said, that's the one. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I don't know what your history is. I don't know what your past is. We're trying to discover your heritage. How many got some mess in your heritage? Anybody got some mess? Come on, I got some. I got some drunk uncles and drunk grandfathers. I got some people who messed around. I, I, I got those stories. Anybody else got those stories? Me, Pastor. Whatever. Maybe it is you. How many know God has a plan for restoration? Anybody believe that? I mean, if he could raise up David, if he could raise up Rahab, look, David fathered Solomon. Solomon never met a woman that he could say no to. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Anybody know about Rehoboam? Abijah, Abijah, Father Asa, Asa, Father Jehoshaphat. Somebody thank God for Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat and Joram. You know who these guys are? These are kings. These are kings. And Joram fathered Uzziah, Uzziah fathered Jotham, Jotham fathered Ahaz, Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah, I'm just, these guys are exciting me. 
Because now, every time I read their names, stories are jumping off of the page to me. Manasseh fathered Amen. Amen fathered Josiah. Somebody thank God for King Josiah. Anybody excited? No? Okay. Josiah fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Anybody got a history like that? Where there was a time, it's like all the things were going great and then everything seemed to explode. Fall apart. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah uh, fathered Shatil, Shatil fathered Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel fathered uh, Abiad, and Abiad fathered Elikim, and Eliakim fathered Azor, and Azor fathered Zadok, and Zadok fathered Achim, and Achim fathered Eliud, and Eliud fathered Eliezer, Eliezer fathered Math, and Math, I'm just doing my best, hooked on phonics doesn't work with some of this, and Math and fathered Jacob, and Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. That's the Christmas story. Because if they couldn't go back to Abraham, you see, then it wasn't about the blessing. I want you to, you got to get your heritage right here, okay? This is a story, a story of mess and trouble and victors and sinners and saints who ultimately bring about Mary. Hallelujah. And, and you'll notice Mary's name is in there. You see a few other ladies, not too many ladies in there, right? But you hear Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You might say, well, why is that important about my heritage? Because I, I'm not Jewish. Is there anybody else that's had a DNA test and you're not Jewish? Anybody? You say, well, how, how can I, why do I need to look back at my covenant? Because your covenant comes through Jesus Christ. Now, here's Abraham, God's covenant with Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Somebody say, start with me. God, do something in me. Do something in me. And then he says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many are blessed by the covenant of Abraham? Anybody? How many know you are blessed by the covenant of Abraham? You said, man, look at all the good things that have happened in our nation over the years. How many know your prosperity is linked to what God did through Abraham? Does anybody know that? It's the truth. It's, here. it's the truth. But look at this. I want you to understand. Some would read that and say, well, I'm not Jewish. But if you go to so many other scriptures, including Romans chapter 9, you understand this, that those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counted as the seed. In other words, we are the children of the promise through the Lord Jesus Christ. We also get to know the truth, and that is all the blessing of Abraham comes right into our lives through Jesus Christ. I don't know what your genealogy looks like, but as long as Jesus is in it, good things going to happen. Somebody praise God. So we're children of the promise. Somebody say it. I'm a child of the promise. Say it. I'm a child of promise. Say it again. I'm a child of promise. You've got to get this in your spirit because I'm not just trying to make you excited. You've got to get this. If this is your family, you have to understand, I am a child. Say it. I am a child of the promise. So there's a lot to be done because of that. This is a year of family healing. Everybody praising God for that? Healing of mother wounds, father wounds. It's a year of crushing family idols. It's a year of crossing over, reclaiming our heritage. And uh, here's something else. 
I don't believe that you have to move forward and leave your children behind. Anybody with me on this? You might say, well, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my family. I just read Jesus' ancestry. It's full of all kinds of mess and all kinds of brokenness. But the word of God that's in you is also going to get into your children and they are going to rise up and embrace heritage. Somebody want to agree with me? Anybody want to agree with me? The word of God, the the truth, the Holy Spirit that's in me is not just in me so I can feel good on a Sunday. He's going through my generations. Come on, I I didn't have one kid or one grandkid for the devil. Anybody with me on this? I expect all of them in the kingdom of God. And one day we're all going to stand together rejoicing at another wedding supper because they're all coming into the kingdom of God. People might not like that. Okay, I get that. But I'm, I'm ready to see... I like that. I'm ready to see you and your children. Your children. Look at that. Sitting together. Coming, knowing the Lord, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, really. I mean, think about this. Honestly. What's so cool about Jacob and all of his kids? It's so that you understand there's something supernatural about your seed. We've lost this concept. We believe there's nothing supernatural about it. We believe that it's just trying to find a good word on a Sunday morning, but you know, it's just sexuality. That's all. We just throw it around, you know. I'm telling you that there's something supernatural about the spiritual heritage that you have. Anybody with me on this? So when you have this crowd gathering together, all of you and your children standing together, when the children are born, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are born, you're going to rejoice because you are populating the kingdom of God. And you, come on, you are bringing children into the kingdom. You're raising kingdom kids. You see what I'm saying? You're raising them. And you're going to plant seeds and seeds that will grow. How many know God's word grows better than anything else? Anybody know that? The seed of God's word. So... I see children coming. I see families coming. I see your children coming. So this is, this is thick for me. Because the, the last time that I felt this heavy about what God wanted to do, there was a wall that was right here. Went all the way down through here. And those two pillars, Joe, right where you're sitting, was the front doors of the sanctuary. And that was the foyer, and those two doors are still there. That we're there at that time. That was the front door where you opened up and came right into the building. And the nursery was up there in the balcony, and we didn't use the balcony. And we discovered Jubilee, and we wrote, it's Jubilee time, Tiempo de Jubileo, and we wrote it in different languages and painted a big picture on this wall. And one Sunday I took a sledgehammer and I cracked the wall. Because God said, I want to tear down walls. I want to bring people together. I'm going to build this type of community that the Lord built. And I mean, you don't know all the architecture. When you've been around here for a while, you realize that bathrooms used to be right over in this section right here. And there used to be a hallway there. And this was not it. We didn't have a baptistry. None of that building was there at all. And it's not about the building. It's about people, though. You understand? that God did some changing and some enlarging. And the reason that he did it 
is because he wanted to multiply people and bring people into the kingdom of God. And you're here today to hear this message because you need to understand that you, look, look around, you might see, well, they're just children. Uh, God is raising up matriarchs and patriarchs in this place right now. Spiritual leaders that are going to raise up children, multiple children, to, to know the Lord Jesus. Okay. And thirdly, uh, prepare for confrontation. A confrontation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us away, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Anybody heard it this way? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Just say it. Fix your eyes. Fix, get, we've got to get our eyes fixed. Now, in this teaching right here, it speaks of confrontation. You don't necessarily see it. I mean, yes, the cross and all of this, but there's confrontation up here because people have... We're part of a larger family than's on the planet right now. Anybody agree to that? How many know there are those that have gone before us who love and know the Lord Jesus? Anybody know that? And they're cheering us on. Whoop, whoop. They're cheering us on. Yeah. And then they went through it. They had some conflict. Some people don't like conflict. Anytime I say, say there's confrontation, you think, oh, it's battle. You know, we much prefer, how many hate conflict? Anybody hate it? Of course you do. Nobody necessarily likes it. How many know conflict is not your enemy? Amen. It's the way that you manage conflict that's your enemy. Okay? Conflict avoidance didn't fix anything. Deciding to do nothing did not cause anything to advance. Everything moves forward or goes backward. So the confrontation is all through here. Like, since other people have went through it, let us lay aside every weight. How many people need to lay some things down? The things that cause us not to be able to move forward. Some, for some, it's relationships. How many, know, how many know sometimes we get relationships where we're trying to do things that God did not call us to do? Anybody know that? People that are dragging you down and since they're not ready to move forward, you just keep dragging and dragging. How many know the Holy Spirit's in charge of that? You know that? The Holy Spirit's in charge of that. Okay. Um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Get your eyes off of adulterous things. That's conflict. Realize that the enemy is attacking and will try to destroy things and put things in your hands that you should not be holding on to. Here's how Jacob did this. In Genesis 35, and we read this a moment ago, he, sa he said to the household, he said to his household, to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. Do you realize how hard this was for Jacob? Jacob has been a manipulator all of his life. In the past, he would have said, hey, guys, let's look at all of the idols and let's put them in a box. And look how pretty they are. And then he would have snuck them out the back door. All right? Not this time. He says, I want all of you to bring the idols. God raised them up as such a patriarch that he was able to look at all of his family and say, family, it's change time in this house. Amen. Praise Jesus. And he deals with idolatry. Idolatry, anything that replaces the one true God. Anything, anything. 
Uh, let me settle it. Mostly idolatry is wanting other things more than you want God. Anybody been there? 2 Corinthians 10 reads this way. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So idolatry for us now is not necessarily little trinkets that are sitting in our house. It's little trinkets that are sitting in our head. Jacob goes back to Bethel where he met God before. And Genesis 32, 33, 34, you read there where Jacob has this awesome experience with God where he holds on to the angel uh, and says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And he gets touched and he walks away limping. Chapter 23 is terrified about Esau. In chapter 34, uh, the, the stronghold becomes obviously even deeper. He has this passivity that's obvious in his life. But in chapter 35, God confronts him and manages him and says in verse 3, Jacob says, come let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Somebody shout, I want to go back. Anybody? Come on. You heard the song? I want to go back. Anybody heard that? The Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible. How many know that you've got to go back sometimes? Anybody know that? You have to go back and reclaim your heritage, reclaim who you are in the Lord Jesus. And after you get that, 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 that reclamation, after you get to that place, you begin to remember the testimony. Come on, anybody know Jacob's testimony? Anybody? That Jacob was the, uh, and Esau were the son of who? Isaac. Anybody remember where Isaac came from? Abraham and Sarah. Sarah wasn't supposed to have a baby. Remember that? And God says, I'm going to raise up a nation out of you. And it was impossible, but God raised up Isaac. And then Isaac uh, has, uh, has Jacob and Esau. And so God is doing one miracle after another. Come on. Anybody have a testimony in your life? I didn't just show up here. God did miracle after miracle. And sometimes I restate my testimonies. But here's what I know. I know that God has always been faithful and he has brought me to this particular place in my life. Man, I, I preach so hard I set the alarms off. <laughs> Praise God. 